On today's episode of Across College Lacrosse, we recap the first Saturday in all of college lacrosse. Ten games on Saturday, one game on Sunday. Oh, and we had a one game on Thursday as well. We'll recap all 12 games, including Hampton's game, so that kind of means 13. Plus, taking a look at the early first week polls, if there are any. This is Across College Lacrosse. What? Hey, hey! Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Across College Lacrosse. This is episode three, and we are doing a special episode uh, because we are doing it on the Facebook Live, on our Facebook page, College Cross's Facebook page, as well, trying to do something different to gain some more viewers and followers and whatnot. This is mainly going to be a Saturday recap. If you're on Facebook Live, it'll just be the Saturday recap. If you're listening on the podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts from, it'll be Saturday, Thursday's game with Furman and Vermont, Sunday's game with Navy and Jacksonville, which hasn't been played as a recording. We're recording Saturday night. And then we'll also chip in with the polls so expect if there are any polls expect this to drop around mid-afternoon I guess on our podcast networks so busy day 11 games on the college lacrosse schedule with division one teams 10 with division one teams facing off against each other and then one which was Hampton Uh, we'll get to that later on playing Lincoln Memorial was it? Lincoln Memorial, the Division Two team. We are going to start with our game of the day, which somehow was not televised or streamed or whatever, uh, which should have been streamed or televised. And that was Villanova taking down 12th ranked Penn State by a score of 17 to 16 in overtime. 33 goals in that game. Now, Penn State got a seven-goal third quarter, and they took a commanding lead, 14-9. And you thought, all right, Penn State's getting the groove. And then all of a sudden, Villanova strikes back with a seven-goal quarter of their own, outscoring the Nittany Lions 7-2, going to overtime. Villanova won the faceoff, kept the ball the entire way. John Clue scored his first goal of the season, and then ended up to being the deciding goal as well. Uh... Well, obviously we couldn't see it, but I'll read off some interesting stats. Shots were even. Shots were pretty much even for the entire game, 38-37. Outliers, Villanova's fourth quarter with that seven-goal uh, outburst, 17 shots to Penn State's eight. Villanova dominated the ground balls 11-6 to in the fourth quarter. Penn State dominated the second quarter 13-4. to So whoever got the double digits in ground balls won that quarter. Won the quarter in terms of ground balls. Faceoffs, pretty even. 20 for 37 for Penn State. Villanova went 17 of 37, 6 of 10 in the fourth quarter. Penn State got a 6 of 8 second quarter. And I believe whoever took the faceoff in the overtime for Villanova, I think it was Luke Palmadesso, if I am correct. Probably Luke Palmadesso. We went 14 of 25 on the day for Villanova. 
Gerald Arceri went 18 of 34. So not a good day for the player of the year nom- uh, watch player preseason player watch list. One of three for Penn State. Uh, speaking of which, one of them was not playing. Grant Amet, Gordon McKinnear, he he was in a foot one of those foot scooters. Uh, had a cast on his foot. He had a foot scooter. And apparently he might be up for multiple weeks. And that's a big hit. Uh, Nick Spillane and I believe it sounds like Matt Donnelly were the uh, attackmen. Apparently, and even on the Penn State's stats page, they have listed Grant Ament getting a shot and a ground ball. And that's not the case because he did not play. Did not play at all. And that's going to be a big loss. Mac O'Keefe had two goals. On eight shots, seven of them were on goal. Matt Donnelly had a goal and assist. Nick Spillane had two goals and one assist. Big contributor was on the midfield, however. Kevin held the hat trick, but Ryan Keenan, five goals, two assists for seven points on nine nine shots and five ground balls. Had a heck of a day for Mr. Ryan Keenan on the midfield. Other storyline outside of Penn State losing. Colby Kniez gave up 13 goals, made 8 saves in 49 minutes and 22 seconds of action. While Schreiner came in for the final 11-28, made 5 saves, gave up 4 goals in that 4th quarter. Nothing really going for the Nittany Lions in that final frame. For Villanova, Christian Cuccinello had a 5-goal game of his own on 7 shots with 4 ground balls. Keegan Kahn, freshman, started in... At the attack, two goals, and Danny Seibel also started to attack. He had two goals and one assist. John Clue had a goal and assist. A goal was the eventual decider. Villanova's defense, Zach Kreisa, Matt Webster started, and then Owen Probelski. I believe I got his name right. Probelski, when I talked to Michael Corrado, he gave me the right pronunciation. Four ground balls. He was the other starter. He's a freshman or a sophomore. Either one. He has a brother, too. Luke on the team who did not play. Jared Nugent had two goals. Palmadeso, as I mentioned, came up big. 14 of 25. And they had a goalie situation too. Matt Barrett started a net. He made three saves but gave up a goal. Uh, he collided with a Penn State player early in the first quarter. Only played 6.53 in the entire game. Nick Testa came in, made 10 saves, and gave up 15 goals. So we wonder what's up with Matt Barrett. Concussion. Obviously, we weren't there to see the game. I have access to that film. Um, but that's a that's an interesting interesting thing to see. He collided. I'm not sure if he collided with his head. He injured another part of his body. But Matt Barrett did look, sh- from what I've heard, he did look sharp in the preseason in the fall. Probably would have helped. Uh, Villanova in the case that maybe they didn't they didn't go into overtime or that he stopped maybe Penn State's one of Penn State's seven goals in the third quarter, even even for the most part. And then somehow Villanova came out on top, so Villanova's one to know. That's the first upset of the of the college across season in the first actually yeah first Whitney in overtime. You can see that on our Twitter page at college underscore cross, and mine actually at C.F. Jastrzemski. 17-16 Villanova over Penn State. Second game also went into overtime. B.U., the Terriers, 12, Providence, 11. 
you can thank Mr. John McLean. Four goals in the game, including the last goal in this game as well. Providence had a six-goal second quarter, but slowly but surely, BU... So it was a high-scoring first half, 9-7 favor Providence, then toned it down. BU and Providence scored 2-1, and one, respectively, in the third and fourth quarters. Taking a look at the individual stats from this game, uh, Sean Leahy for Providence had five goals. He had another five-goal game, too, nine-on-nine nine shots. Nick Hodson-Petrakos had a goal and an assist. Brendan Kearns had a goal and an assist. So mainly from the midfield was the big part for the day. Ian Gray had three cost turnovers. They do lose Jared Newman to graduation, but they do bring back James Barclay, who will probably be the, the main defenseman for the Friars this season. Faceoff-wise, Alec George went 14 of 26 against BU. Joe Stuckey went 10 of 18. Sean Chrisman, the freshman from Malvern Prep, he went 2 of 8. If you look at goalie, goalie stats, Tate Boys, 6 saves, 12 goals against. Joe McSorley, 12 saves, 11 goals against. Scoring-wise for the Terriers, Chris Gray, a freshman, played, I believe, midfield, didn't start. Two goals, three assists on five shots. Oh, a very good debut for one of the top incoming freshmen, according to Inside Lacrosse. James Burr had two goals and two assists. John McLean, as I mentioned, had four goals as well. Hayden Ruiz had a goal and two assists. And Ryan Hilburn, don't call him Sparky. Ryan Sparky Hilburn, the former Malvern prep kid, also had two goals on the day. Did watch this game. I thought Providence showed a lot of promise. BU. Took, some, took them some time, especially in that second quarter where they gave up a lot of goals, but they started to find their groove, although it was a little bit slow, but they might be some growing pains. I do like Chris Gray as a freshman. Maybe he steals a starting spot later in the season. But both teams, as they as they did last year, they had another great game. This time, this time it was at BU, not Providence. And instead of Brendan Homeyer, it was John McLean with the game winner. I would have... Big expectations for both of these teams by far. Patriot League for BU, it's going to be tough. It's a tough Patriot League with Army, with Loyola, with Bucknell, who played, who will be our next game, who played against Marist today. Lehigh and even Lafayette. Lafayette even looked good today. Lafayette looked really good today. So, Province will be a player in the Big East. The Tate Boys can have another good game. And if Hazi Petrakos and Brendan Kearns, and this Sean Leahy kid who had five goals. If he can prove some, get some numbers up in the midfield as well, that will help the Friars go a good distance in 2018. Our next game up on this Saturday, as I mentioned, Bucknell 11, Marist 9. Marist got out to a six-goal first quarter, and one of those goals, none other than their goalie, Mr. Brian Corrigan. Scored at 6:01 left in the first quarter. I don't know how that happened. That was also a game that was not streamed. Even though Bucknell is a Patriot League team and they should usually stream games on the Patriot League network, for some reason this, they didn't have a stream. Kind of sad because that would have been a great SC Top 10. We might see it still. But Bucknell getting a 11-9 win. They were down for most of this game. They were down 7-5 at half. 
and then they outscored the Red Foxes 6-2 in the second half, shut out the Red Foxes 2-0 in the third quarter. Well, Sands, he's still a great player. Two goals, six assists. Connor O'Hara, four goals at the attack. Tommy Sopko, freshman from Conestoga, he had a goal. Sean O'Brien had two goals on 13 shots. Maybe shoot the ball less, I guess, Mr. O'Brien. 13 shots. That's like Jake Ficaro numbers. And uh, Christian Klepstein did not have a good game. 16-24 of game time. Gave up seven goals, made one save. Ben Clark made four saves and two goals against in 43 minutes and 36 seconds of playing time. So, goalie controversy. Clipsing's one of the better Patriot League goalies. And it was a little bit of a surprise to see him struggle against maybe a Maris team that has some scoring. Jason Intermissoli, two goals, one assist on five shots. Joe Tierney, one goal, three assists on three shots. Mitchell Standera, two goals at the midfield. Gannon Morrison, who was... Their big returning or returning on midfield, two assists. And somehow, Brian Corgan, one goal, two. Kyle Quinn had a goal on three shots. And Corrigan made 10 saves against 11 goals against. So, Bucknell player, were the coaches right to put them in front of BU? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's only one game and... I like these two teams. They are middle of the pack teams in the in their respective co- and overall in the college across. Marist might be contending for the MAC title. Bucknell, they'll be in there in the Patriot League, but I don't see them as a tier one team like Loyola or Army West Point. Checking some interesting stats. Bucknell dominated the ground balls department twenty nine to fifteen nine in each of the first and second quarters, respectively. Marist edged out Bucknell in the face-off department 13-10. And that's about really it. Bucknell did score the last two goals in the game at 556 from O'Hara's fourth and 414 Reed Malice, his first goal of the season to get away. Three separate 3 nothing runs for the Red Foxes. So Red Foxes will start 0-1 and Bucknell will start 1-0 on the season. Up in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. This game was a little bit interesting. I wasn't really watching the game. As most of these games. Because either they didn't have streams. Or I had to pay. Or I was watching a lot of games at the same time. Uh, Cleveland State losing to Ohio State. 13-6. Ohio State was up 5-4 at halftime. Up 3-2 in the first quarter. So, is Cleveland State kind of a good team? Yeah, I guess. Ohio State probably found their rhythm in the third quarter, having had six goal outburst. Mr. Johnny Kelly, the senior midfielder, four goals. I believe he played some D-Midi last year, if I'm not mistaken, because of Tarafanko going down with an injury. Trey LeClaire, listed as a midfielder, three goals, one assist on nine shots. He's back. Kylan Schelda, goal and assist. Jack Dzerzinski, a nice Little hitchback goal, one goal and four shots. Hank Bethke had a two-goal night. And Ryan Tarafenko coming back from a brutal injury, one assist on four ground with four ground balls and a turnover. Looking at Matthew Smead coming in, taking over for Tom Carey, who I probably would have picked to start 
this season as well. Made seven saves on 13 shots in the game. Christian Feliziani and Justin Inaccio did split time. Uh, Feliziani with 10 of 12 on face on faceoffs. Inaccio, 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 the Canadian from Hill Academy. Excuse me. Six of nine. Nice from the faceoff X. So two good faceoff guys it seems for a while. See, so even though Danny Tesla is kind of good. Six of 22, struggling there in that department. Uh, but Cleveland State putting up a fight, especially in the first quarter. But once that third quarter hit, uh, Zashinsky, LeClaire, followed by Jackson Reed, Beth Key, and LeClaire again, and then Johnny Kelly with his third goal of the game at that point. That third quarter was the big, 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 big turning point in that game. 13-6, Ohio State beating Cleveland State. Don't count out Cleveland State this year, second year. Moving on to some of the lesser and uh, tight game. Actually, well, this game, Robert Morris losing to Rutgers 11-7. This is That was an interesting game to start out. First quarter was tied at three. Rutgers got three early from Jules Henningberg, Christian Mazzone, and who's going to replace Adam Charlambides, Connor Vercruisi. I don't know how to spell his, say his name. Vercruisi. Uh, I did my best. Three goals to start out in the first quarter. Then right away, Robert Morris coming back with three of their own from Zachary Bryan, Adrian Tarok Orban, and Ryan Smith. But then after that, it was all Robert Morris. Went on a 5-0 run. And that helped them get an 11-7 win in Piscataway without Adam Charlambides, as I mentioned before. Let's go to the individual stats. Pretty much everyone from Robert Morris scored a goal. Or, excuse me, I should rephrase it. Seven. Seven individuals scored a goal for Robert Morris. Meanwhile, for Rutgers, Christian Trasolini coming back from an injury. An injury he suffered last year, along with Charlambides. He had three goals, a hat-trick from the midfield on, on four shots. Jules Hennenberg, he's a playmaker. He probably will be the quarterback of the offense again. One goal with five assists on three shots. Casey Rose, two goals. Christian Mazzone, two goals and two assists. Chad Tolliver with a goal. Ryan Gallagher with a goal face-off-wise for the, for the uh, Scarlet Knights. No Joe Francisco, but Alex Schoen went 13 of 21. Trey Arnold went 9 of 22 for the Colonials. Goalie-wise, Max Edelman made 5 saves, gave up 7 goals. Alex Heger, 9, go- nine saves and 11 goals against. See, I don't, I wouldn't count out Robert Morris either. Uh, kind of surprised to see how they did in the first quarter against the Scarlet Knights. Maybe Rutgers are still adjusting to life without Sean Labides again. But Robert Morris is a pretty good team in the NEC, and NEC-wise. Rutgers will have a big test in a little bit. They have, I believe, Army West Point in a couple weeks. They do, but they also have St. John's next week at Piscataway. Then they go to Army West Point, Fairfield, then Brown. So, good start for their season. They'll have a, what, last year, if you were considering St. John's to be bad, might be a cupcake game with the Red Storm in Piscataway before going to West Point to play a very good Army West Point team who debuts next week against UMass. 
So there you go. Robert Morris has some work to do in terms of getting better themselves. Other games that kind of weren't inter- actually again, this game was a little bit inter- interesting too to start out. Lehigh 13, NJIT 8. Maybe you see this interesting aspect because the next game after this will be not that interesting. Ah, a little bit interesting. But I think with a lot of these teams going for the first time, it'll be close to start out, and then you'll start to see, all right, this is what we expect to see from these guys. 13-8 Lehigh over NJIT, but NJIT put up a good fight, actually, early on, and they've been improving against Lehigh lately. Scoring-wise, Aaron Forster, two goals. Led the team with 34 last year. Nicholas Irwin Irwin had two assists. Cole Rubillard Rubillard had two goals, one assist. Leading the team with three points along with Ryan Darrow who had two goals, one assist. Faceoff wise, Adam Gonzalez went 6 of 17. Could not get stopped. Could not beat Connor Gaffney all day who went 18 of 25. The sophomore from Lehigh with 12 ground balls. Leith scores, Mickey Fitzpatrick, three goals. Andrew Pettit, speaking of shooting, three goals, two assists on 14 shots. So they're going to feed the ball to Pettit a lot, it seems like. Ian Strain, three assists. John Mihawk, two goals, one assist. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. One goal, two assists for Mr. Tristan Ray, the junior Canadian. And they had a new goalie. Uh, the Mountain Hawks did. Freshman James Spence from Springfield Delco, whose brother Lucas also put up a good day. He was their starting attackman. One goal, one assist on eight shots. James, on the other hand, nine saves, gave up seven goals in his debut for the Mountain Hawks. Colin Kirst also came in for the final two minutes and 22 seconds. Nick Marzullo, 16 saves, 13 goals against. They get a defense. Maybe Marzullo can keep the Highlanders, Highlanders in some games. A little bit during the season. But as of now. You need some help at scoring. You also will need some help with some defense as well. Uh, Lehigh. Is going to be a player in the Patriot League. They will have Mercer in Georgia. On Saturday. The 10th. Before staying in the south. They have UNC on the 17th. We go to the number two team in the nation, or wherever you look at the polls. I think they're going, Duke's going with the coaches poll. Isle has them at one. I have them at one. It's Duke beating Air Force, crushing Air Force, matter of fact, 18-4. to four. Uh, We'll start with the Duke side because we have some stuff with Air Force coming in as well. Duke had a big day. Justin Gutterding, probably if you had a player of the day, would be Mr. Justin Gutterding. First star, three goals and seven assists on five shots. That's 10 points on the day for the senior from Garden City. Brad Smith from the midfield at three goals. Sean Lowry listed as a midfielder, two goals. Joey Manown attack, two goals. Joe Robertson, who is replacing Mr. Jack Bruckner at an attack with his number eight, two goals, one assist. Peter Conley. Didn't record a goal and assist, but he did have two shots in his Duke Blue Devil debut. JT Giles Harris had two turnover uh, calls turnovers. Kevin McDonough, a transfer, I believe, from Penn. I'm not sure exactly where, but he is a transfer from a another Division One uh, school. 
And then they had a lot of other scores. Matthew Jean Petroni, two goals. Riley Walsh, two goals. Plenty of stats. 18 goals for the Blue Devils. They looked fine. Ryan Smythe. There's, here is the problem that I, po- I pointed out with uh, Clark on our College Cross catch, which you can listen online at collegecross.com. Who is their faceoff guy? It's Brian Smythe. Or Smith. 9 for 21 against Trent Harper, who went 16 of 26 on the day. So they weren't getting, for the most part, they weren't getting those extra possessions, which might hurt them in Duke again in two weeks or so. Maybe high point, depending on how high point is on Thursday night when they play. But, you know, you don't have a Kyle Rowe there. You don't have a Brendan Fowler. You don't have a Jack Rowe, who was actually with Kyle for his final year. So, you're looking at a tough face-off group if you have Brian Smythe, Smythe, I guess, as your top face-off guy. Maybe he can improve. He can. He's, there's still plenty of time to improve. But, early signs show that Duke does not have a face-off guy. They might be in trouble early or later on in the season when they play ACC teams. When they play teams that have face-off guys like Notre Dame's John Travisano, Trevor Baptiste especially, maybe Charles or Kelly or Riley Graham for UNC. When they get up to those top teams that might have face-off guys, Duke might be in trouble. Danny Fowler made five saves, gave up three goals against in one half of play. Turner Upgren came in, made four saves in 19 minutes and 17 seconds of action. David McCann was the other third goalie. Now for Air Force, their lineup was not good for the most part. As we mentioned, there are some. There's still a investigation going on with their most of their juniors and seniors. We have no clue who would be coming on the trip to Durham. Who if Bill Wilson would be coaching, and he did coach. According to Terry Foy, he found out that Wilson, which I also found out about a month, a few weeks ago, that Bill Wilson would be the coach at for an a uh, indefinite amount of time, and. For me, if you're coaching right now against Duke at the first game of the season, your head coach is still at, in Colorado. My my gut feeling is he's not coming back for the entire season. He might not even come back at all. So Bill Wilson seems to be the leader for this Falcons team at this point in time. As of the roster, Nick Ruby, big senior, he is playing. He started attacking at a goal on five shots. Andrew Tien, another important player, nothing on four shots. Chet Dunstan at... No points but on one shot as well. No Chris Walsh, one of the SoCon's best players. No Grant Gould at the midfield. Jack Flynn and Kevin Cox had a goal. Trey Lervick also played at the mid- started at the midfield. But no Walsh, no Gould, uh, no Paxton Boyer, who is a sophomore. You have Noah Schwab, who started... Gave up 17 goals but made 9 saves and 48-38 of action before going to Braden Host in goal. Trent Harper still there. And no Brandon Jones. No Brandon Jones, a really good uh, junior defenseman. So if you don't have Jones, we're just speculating that you know they might be the guys that are not on this team right now. They're the ones that are still waiting to be reinstated. If they are getting reinstated, Walsh, Gould, and Jones. Maybe Boyer. I don't know about Boyer. Maybe he just isn't that good anymore, or they decided Schwab was the better goalie. But if you have those three guys, especially Walsh 
and Jones, who could be All-Americans. That's not that good of a sign, and that might be a good sign for Richmond in terms of conference race in the SOCON. But Trent Harper's a good faceoff guy, 13 of 26, 10 ground balls. That's the sign. If you have, if you're Duke, if you are worrying about something, that might be the faceoff department for this time. So, Duke plays high point. Might be a challenging game. Could be. It's a weekend game, so or a weekday game. So usually they're good for the hunters, and Duke's always hunted because they are a top team in the nation. Meanwhile, over still in North Carolina, a few minutes away in Chapel Hill, UNC beating Lafayette, and they got some uh, Lafayette some nice little sleeveless jerseys, black, seventeen to ten, and even though it's seventeen to ten, I thought Lafayette played a really good game. Outside of the six-two first quarter that North Carolina got out and kept that lead. 3-3 in the second quarter, 4-2 North Carolina in the third, 4-3 in the fourth. I thought they might have blown them out, but, you know, they were, according to the Lax Vegas lines, they were imaginary 7 and a, UNC was imaginary 7.5 favored. Lafayette, UNC did not cover. Lafayette got them, which was very interesting to see. Up end Keenan Stadium, where they're going to play the games while the new the new grass field. I forget the name of the grass field is being renovated and after being torn down last year. Meanwhile, for UNC, their main guys doing work as they always do. Timmy Kelly, three goals, one assist. Chris Cloutier, two goals, two assists. Tanner Cook at the midfield, big guy, three goals in his first start at midfield. Will Perry, two goals as well at the midfield. You also had Brian Cannon on the second midfield with two goals, who could be a very good two goal, uh, second line midfielder guy later on the season. Now, just like Duke, except North Carolina might have two really good guys at the faceoff X, and Riley Graham and Charles Kelly. They struggled. Riley Graham went eight of twenty. Charles Kelly went four of eleven. Overall, the group twelve to twenty-one. John Becker, who I have no clue who he is. Never heard of him until now. 19 of 31. Interesting of note that Lafayette beats UNC in the faceoff department. So is Becker good or is just UNC needs help at faceoffs? Well, McCarthy had two goals and two assists for the Leopards. Robbie Garavente had two goals. John Natoli had three goals. And Mr. Jonathan Anastos, I have to say, 10 saves, 17 goals against. He stood on his head for a little bit. I mean, he didn't get a lot of help, but Nastos did make some good saves at times. Luke Mi- Luke Milliken, excuse me, freshman from uh, Texas, started, which I was a little bit surprised about. Eight saves, gave up seven goals. Jack Pazzullo came in the final 9-12, made three saves, gave up three goals against. My mind is now thinking, did Pazzullo start in the spring? against Loyola, where he got trounced, and maybe that's why they went with Milliken. I'm not sure, but Milliken, Milliken, uh, Milliken did look okay. I watched, a, Focus watched on that game for the first hour uh, before switching to Duke Air Force, which was a blowout, and then two other games as well. So, interesting thing to watch there with that goalie fight 
if Milliken or Pizzula will end up being their main guy for the entire year. And also with who will be the main faceoff guy with Graham or Kelly. Graham took the more of the faceoffs. And they were pretty much, even though uh, Kelly took nine less, they were about the same percentage-wise. They have Furman next Saturday at noon on ACC Network Extra. Uh, Vermont playing their second game in three days, beating Mercer 11-3 in a live stats game that was not working after the first quarter, so didn't really watch that. Five goals in the fourth quarter. Uh, Vermont led 6-2 at the end of three. Goals coming from, for the Catamounts, came from Dawes Mitchell, one goal. Liam Limoges had two goals. Uh, Ian McKay had a goal. He did not was not listed as a starter. So maybe it was, I don't know what that is. Uh, well, unless Charlie Erdman, they count the faceoff guys as starter. But usually I would think he would be the starter anyways. But who cares? Rob Hudson, two goals. Liam Richman, two goals. Limoges had two goals again to continue his freshman year after scoring three goals and one assist against Furman. We'll get to that game later on the podcast. And then Mr. Nick Washuta and goal made nine saves on the day. Erdman went on the faceoff X. He went two of nine. Not a good day. Alex Semler came in eight, five of nine on the on his day. For Mercer, Scott Baird had one goal. Matt Quinn had a goal. And Matt Hughes had a goal. 10 of 16 at the faceoff X are Keel Brennan, who replaces... Uh, who replaces, I forget, for, for the Mercer guy, but he takes over the main faceoff. We'll beat him. We'll beat him. He takes over. We'll beat him, who went to Cornell this offseason. Keel Brennan's their main guy now. There was a question. He was their main guy at the faceoff X. 10 of 16. Bradley Odoval made 8 saves and gave up 11 goals in that game. So, Vermont, first 2-0 team in the country. We'll get to their first game later on the podcast. Bryant, 15, Manhattan, 7. This game I barely watched because Bryant beat Manhattan the first quarter, 7-1, and that was it. I mean, those seven goals were almost it. They scored three in the second, and nothing really of note to watch for in that. Scoring-wise, Cam Ziegler got the most points. Three goals, one assist for the Bulldogs. Jake Boniato, two goals, one assist. Austin Kennedy, the midfield, two goals. Actually, I was wrong. Mac O'Rourke from the attack. Three goals and two assists on six shots. Mr. O'Rourke, number six, also had three ground balls, but had two turnovers. Trying to see what class he is, because I've... Probably a freshman, Mr. O'Rourke is. Tom Kennedy, the football playing wide receiver in the NEC. First game as a lacrosse player this season. Had one goal on just six shots. And O'Rourke is a freshman from Hingham, Massachusetts, by the way. So, shout out to Massachusetts. Parker Giratana, two goals, five shots. Leading the way, for the most part, for the Jaspers. Michael Zingaro, seven goals given up in a quarter. He went to Brennan Krebs. Eight goals given up in 45 minutes, made seven saves. Uh, For Bryant, James Warner, five goals against, but made eight saves in 57-24 work. Kenny Massa, 19-24 from the faceoff X, and he also had a goal and 16 ground balls. Bryant, still the dominant force in the NEC. 
as their season 10th season, 10th season in Division 1 gets started today. And then finally we'll just touch on this Hampton losing to Division 2 Lincoln Memorial 16 to 9. Uh, Hampton's first game of their third season. No one's really covering them, but, you know, I would like to just give them some recognition. Four goals in the fourth quarter for Hampton going on a 4-0 run, but Lincoln Memorial pretty much dominated for the entire game. Still work to be done. Pierce Johnson had three goals and ten shots for the Pirates. Jonathan Napier, Ellie Johnson, Preston Randolph had a goal. Darian Williams, Sturdevant. Had three goals and one assist at well as well for the Pirates. Kevin Mondy Jr. 18 saves on again and 15 goals against. Paxton Powell also got six minutes of time. So Hampton still needs work. Simple as that. They still need some work on their third year. By the way, it was Justin Gutterding's 23rd birthday. If you were just a little random spot there, 23rd birthday got 10 points. Uh, so that were the Saturday games, Sunday's game. There was one Navy at Jacksonville and surprisingly, I would think the Dolphins took the 12 to seven victory over the midshipmen 10, four at halftime. Jacksonville had a five goal first and second quarter five Oh run in the second quarter. A little bit interesting to say the least. I would have thought Navy would have won handily or not handily, but at least win the game, but Dwayne Matushik had five goals in the day. Eric Applegate, three goals, one assist. McLean Chickwin had a goal and two assists. Hunter Forbes, the faceoff guy, 19 of 22 from the faceoff X. Navy did not have Joe Varello playing, and he's usually their top faceoff guy. Brad Alexander went 0 for 8. Jeff Durden went 2 of 13. So, not a good stave at the X for Navy. Hunter Sells, a former Hopkins commit, made six saves in the win. Jacksonville might have some good guys this year. Sells, especially, is a quality goalie. Applegate can do some work at the midfield, along with Chickwin, but he didn't really start. He's He was a starter last year. I believe he led the team in points, too. Forbes can be a good faceoff guy. That's going to be lethal. And Matushik, if he can put up five goals a game, that always works, too. So, a surprise upset for the Sunday game that not a lot of people, not me especially, watched because there was a Super Bowl, but a notable one nonetheless in Florida. And it all began Thursday with Vermont beating Furman handedly. That was their first game on their two-game road trip, which ended Saturday against Mercer. To the only poll this week, which is the U.S. lacrosse poll, as expected, not a lot of change. Dukes 1, Maryland still 2, Denver 3, Albany 4, Yale 5, Notre Dame 6. Ohio State and Rutgers swap spots. Ohio State moves up to 7, Rutgers to 8. UNC and Syracuse round out the top 10. Loyola's up to 11, Johns Hopkins at 12. Villanova jumps from 20 to 13. Hofstra, Army, Virginia stay at 14, 15, 16. Penn State is at 17 after losing to Villanova in overtime. They were the ninth best team in the nation, according to U.S. Lax Magazine, followed by Penn, Princeton, and Towson. So no teams drop, 
not expected. Wouldn't really expect any major movement except for Penn State and Villanova. But we still have another full week of college lacrosse left until the first full college lacrosse poll comes out next Monday. But ours should be coming out later today on collegecross.com. Updated top 20, which I don't think should be changed that much. But there'll be some movement around, especially with Villanova and Penn State's outcomes on Saturday. My three stars for the week. I've started to do a three stars thing for after each day of a game. So Thursday there was a game there was a three stars just for that Furman Vermont game. Saturday there was a three stars for all of the games. And Sunday there was one for Jacksonville Navy. Three stars from the week. Pretty much they're all of them are from Sat Saturday's game. Third star is Christian Cuccinello, the attackman from Villanova, recording five goals of his own and four ground balls. Second star comes from Roll Sands of Bucknell, leading the Bison with two goals and six assists with a ground ball and a cost turnover in their 11-9 win over Marist. And the first star, it's easy enough. He's got 10 points on his 23rd birthday. It is Justin Gutterding from Duke Lacrosse, the senior with three, seven, and a ground ball. And I added a top rookie because I think you should give some respect to the rookies. I chose BU's Chris Gray. Two goals, three assists, and a ground ball in his debut. He really looks solid from what I saw, and I expect big things from him. And hopefully BU can do some some uh, some damage in the Patriot League this year. They are going to be a very good team to watch as they start to get some pieces together, especially with Gray. That'll be it for episode number three of Across College Lacrosse. We apologize for the day late delay. I think you might know why, knowing me. Uh, go Birds. But you can follow this on SoundCloud. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can do so on Stitcher and TuneIn as well. Follow me on Twitter at CFDestremski. Follow College Cross on Twitter at College underscore Cross. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. You should know the deal by now. College Crosscast. We should have another one up on Wednesday. We might have an episode of ACL on up on Thursday. Uh, but I've got a few plans for then. Like a parade down Broad Street. So that'll be to do, be determined. And if I don't see you guys on Thursday, then probably Saturday for the uh, game day show, which hopefully we have one this, this time around. Not like a, a uh, last minute thing at 11. Uh, so stay hydrated out there. Bye, Felicia.